deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast, brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Von Warnke, author, outdoor writer, videographer, speaker, blogger, and podcaster, and I'm so excited that you took the opportunity to download our show or stream it online, however you are listening. Thank you so much for doing so. Well, we're back for another show this week. I wanted to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas as we come up on the Christmas holiday this week. And I want to wish everybody safe travels and safe time with your family. And stay warm because here in Texas we got our first real cold snap, a cold front that blew through. And it was down in the 20s where earlier in the day it was in the 70s. So um, that's Texas for you. We can make a weather change of 50 degrees or more in about a few hours, so it's pretty wild. But I just finished a hunting trip in Brady, Texas. I have a video up on my website, uh, warnkeyoutdoors.com, under the video section. Or you can also check out my YouTube channel. My last name is spelled, of course, first name is spelled Dustin, D-U-S-T-I-N. Last name is spelled Warnke, W-A-R-N-C-K-E, and that is on my YouTube channel. You can check out that video of my hunt in Brady if you really want to check that out and uh, see how I did last weekend. So I'm excited about our guest this week. His name is David Scott Cox. He is the head guide and owner of Palmetto Guide Service, which is a duck hunting guide service and fishing guide service out of Lake Livingston in the Trinity River. And that's based in East Texas. And I've got a great interview here with Mr. Dave Cox. The first half of it, we talk about duck hunting. The second half of it, we talk about uh, fishing, especially white bass fishing and black bass fishing in uh, Lake Livingston. Some good hot spots to check out. And the way I met Mr. Dave Cox was uh, through one of my roles here at Texas Fish and Game in the editorial department, and that is doing the fishing hot spots in One of our dear outdoor writers and editors, Bob Hood, passed away a couple of years ago, and I ended up taking over his job as Hotspots editor. We had a lot of fun, you know, learning about the new guys and, you know, all their different things. A lot of these are longtime contributors to the magazine. That's where I met Mr. Dave. And uh, we became, you know, kind of buddies ever since. And he's just so um, knowledgeable about the lake of uh you know a lot of the east texas lakes but mainly lake livingston and uh, i'm really excited about this interview here's our interview together uh on the best of the outdoors podcast thanks so much for tuning in well joining me on the phone today is mr dave scott cox he is the head guide and owner of palmetto guide service on lake livingston and the trinity river how you doing today mr dave oh wonderful thanks dustin thank you so much for uh giving me a call Yes, absolutely. It's great to have you on the show. I've been wanting to plan to have you on the show for some time now, and now that we've kind of are part of the Texas Outdoor Nation, a lot of people may not know that you're one of the guides that um, that contributes fishing reports monthly to the magazine, uh, the Hot Spots reports, as we call them, for fishing, and you do a great job on that. And then I also work on your website doing the uh, fishing reports and pictures and photo of the month and that kind of stuff at palmettoguideservice.com. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background and, and what you do in the outdoors, Mr. Dave. Well, uh, hunting and fishing Lake Livingston is, is called me years ago. Uh, uh, the short story is I, I went to a college at Sam Houston State University in 1977 and I, I grew up in South Louisiana duck hunting all my life and I, I discovered duck hunting on the upper end of the Trinity in the late 70s and early 80s and it was always on my mind 
in eventually in 1982, graduated from Sam in 8082. I moved back to the area. I've been here ever since 1982. I moved here specifically for my love of duck hunting. Wow. And yeah, it's it's puddle ducks, mallards, wood ducks, gadwall, timber type hunts. Just something that I never really saw in South Louisiana. And uh, I have not missed a season duck hunting here since 1982. Wow. And puddle ducks is something. I'm not a duck hunter yet. I want to go with you one day, and you and I have talked about this. But I've never heard the term puddle ducks. Can you explain that a little more? Is that more of a group or a family of ducks, uh, duck species? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a uh, 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 term uh, to differentiate uh, uh, the different type of ducks that's, that are out there. They're, puddle ducks are more in the family of your uh, mallards. I see. And then, uh, then diving ducks are more in the family of uh, redhead and stock and uh, that sort of ducks. And duck hunting 101 when it gets down to blowing a mallard call and uh, decoying ducks, uh, puddle ducks, uh, to me, is where it's at. Okay. Uh, so that's your main species, you know, group that you're targeting there. Um, will you typically, I've asked you this before offline, you've typically uh, weighed hunt for those ducks, right? You typically wade out in the water and hunt kind of the Trinity River in that area for well, ducks, correct? Yeah, I, I actually live right here at Riverside uh, on the Trinity uh, between Huntsville and, and Trinity. Um, you know, wood ducks is, is really the number one draw. I, I've guided people out from all over the world have come to me to shoot a trophy wood duck. Of course, the, the Trinity River system is public hunting. It's one of the last really uh, mostly unregulated public hunting areas left in the state of Texas. I see. There are a few, yeah, there are a few regulations that you need to be aware of um, through Trinity River Authority is a governing agency that regulates the duck hunting here. Right. And uh, with public hunting, uh, similar to hunting on the bay, uh, you know, hunters just need to respect each other and, and uh, be courteous and respectful for other hunters. And really, the lake consists of 90,000 acres of water, 450 miles of shoreline. And the question is, with all that water out there, where do I go to duck hunt? Right. I hear, I hear it all the time. I would recommend to anybody that's new to the region that wants to experience the duck hunting here, the best time to scout for ducks is is in the spring. Actually, if you can, can scout in April, you'll see a lot of ducks that are migrating back from Mexico and South America. I've been out there in April before when there's just thousands of ducks. Wow. As far, yeah, you know, don't wait till the season opens to scout, to scout sure. that much because it's just disruptive to other hunters. Uh, if you do, I, I'd recommend going during the week or after your hunt. You know, wait till you know after twelve o'clock, and then do your scouting, uh, so you don't you know disturb other hunters. As far as regions of the duck hunting area, mostly uh, is from going. Let's see, going from south to north, uh, the jungle, the south end of the jungle, 
uh, best access from uh, Waterwood or uh, Sebastopol area. Mm-hmm. Uh, then White Rock. White Rock has some some great hunting on the north and south sides of White Rock. Uh, you get up in the White Rock Creek is a good wood duck area. Uh, the jungle is well-known, is all talked about. It, it Originally, back in, when the lake was flooded in 1969, it was flooded timber. And there's it's just all standing stumps now. It's really no place for the lighthearted. It's a lot of quicksand. <laughs> it, it's, you know, I actually quit hunting the jungle years ago because uh, my uh, blood pressure couldn't take it. Oh, wow. It's that hardcore it, kind of, right? It, it's pretty hardcore. Wow. Um, you know, nowadays with the, the new type boats, uh, air boats, uh, the mud boats, uh, makes it easier to get in and out of. Sure. But many, many places the water just may be a couple of feet deep, and then you get uh, just silt, sand, uh, you know, this quicksand. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there's some islands, uh, some standing timber uh, here and there that make good hides. Uh, but as far as hunting, uh, you know, I used to, to build blinds quite a bit. I don't so much anymore. The lake has, last few years, has been down. Uh, below 131 is normal level for the lake. It's, it's been down low and it's been up high. In the last few years, I've been hunting more just natural hides, uh, say in cattails. Mm-hmm. And and uh you know timber uh you know anytime you build a blind on the lake it becomes public property uh it's first come first served uh i'm really really good at going in uh some standing cattails and i kind of stomp them down on the inside sure. set some stools in there and make a really really natural hide uh it works really good no, that's great, and and so you use decoys. I see in your in your pictures you use decoys like most duck hunters, right? Oh yes, yes. Uh, decoys, uh, calling, uh, train retrievers. That's mm-hmm. that's all part of a you know a guided hunt. Sure. Myself and and the guys that have worked for me over the years. Uh, you know, we all try to put on a professional hunt and and, and get in the area and, and make it where the the client has a a chance to be successful. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, just real quick, moving from the, the jungle area north, there's just a couple areas uh, that are some good duck hunting. There's uh, what we call Big Robs. Uh, the north there is Little Robs. And then you get into the river system north of Bethy Creek, get into Harmon Creek's a good area. And then going north of there, uh, Whitson Slough, Village Creek, Chalk Creek, in all these areas, you need to be aware of uh, where you're at as far as trespass laws. Sure. You really don't want. Yeah, you really don't want to get out of your boat, or, or, or I'm sorry, you don't want to get out of the water. I see. Typically, yeah, typically what I do, I don't like hunting out of a boat. A lot of a lot of guys got these boat blinds now. They hunt out of the boat, and that works good. I do that, especially when the water's up really high. Right. But. You know, my experience hunting out of a boat, as soon as the duck comes in, somebody, you know, you move and you try to get your gun up and the boat shakes. And, you know, I'm just not a fan of hunting out of a boat line. Um, I like to go. I go find a spot where the ducks are. Uh, A lot of times in the afternoon, I'll put out a few decoys and uh, stomp out of area and find a hide. And uh, in the morning, I'll come back in. I'll finish putting my spread out. 
and uh, settle in uh, for a hunt. As far as decoy spreads, uh, depends on the, se- the, the the time of the season and where you're at. Uh, you can you can do big water spreads, kind of in open water. You you may kill more uh, divers. Uh, anytime you get up close to the timber and start hunting uh, little sloughs and oxbows, especially late in the season. In fact, this week. I changed out my whole spread this week. I was running a big spread with a lot of pintails and divers, and now I'm I've scaled back to where I'm using more uh, really really good decoys, uh, mallards and wood ducks and a few teal. Um, I may I may not run more than than twelve decoys late in the season. In fact, some of the best mallard hunts I've ever had in my entire life up here uh, late in the season. Uh, use maybe six decoys and maybe one uh spinning decoy and uh then a you know a call a blow a comeback call and, and you know a soft call and that's all you need for, for puddle duck hunting um that's great uh can i ask you what your favorite decoy is number one and what your favorite call is number two for duck hunting uh, you know, I used a variety of decoys o- over the years. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good ones out there now. Uh, there's, there's, a, a really a lot of good decoys out there. Uh, all I can say about, about the decoys is, is use a weighted kill decoy. Okay. I've when, heard that before. Yeah. I mean, you know, weighted kill decoys are going to just save your life as far as, uh, you know, I throw them out so quick and, and, and you want them to pop up straight. Uh, use good decoys with good color patterns. And as far as uh, calling, uh, there's lots of calls out there. I would just recommend that, that you get a call and, and practice with it. In fact, on my hunt just the other day, we talked about duck calls a lot. And uh, I'm blowing calls now that are they're called cut-down game calls. They're made up north of here by a friend of mine. And uh, he turned me on to them years ago. I met him at one of the hunting shows in Houston. And uh, that's pretty much all I blow now is the cut-down game calls. Okay. And they're they're really good calls. I, I blow a timber call, and then I blow an open water call. You know, one gets a little more volume than than the other. Uh, calling is probably, in my opinion, the most overrated, overtalked part of duck hunting. <laughs> but everybody talks uh, about calls. You know, I mean, that's all the race these talks days about <laughs> about calling ducks. You right. know, I had some customers recently, and. We're out there, and they said, well, we, you know, customers are telling me a story. They went on a guide hunt, and, you know, they said everything was good. But he said, you know, the guide really couldn't blow a call that good. And, I, you know, I kind of just brushed it off uh, because calling is not the most important factor. And is On my list of importance, concealment is the most important. Sure. Uh, being where the birds are is important. Yes. Or being where the birds want to be. But... If you're not concealed, you're going to blow the whole deal. And, uh, you know, you're better off just put your call away or don't bring it. Uh, I have decoy ducks with a call. It's awesome when it works. Uh, you know, you hit a little comeback call and they turn their heads, lock, lock their wings and drop. It's just a beautiful sight to see. Right. Uh, 
and you know, talk about duck hunting as an art form. I truly believe that, and I truly believe I'm an artist when it mm-hmm. comes to duck hunting because I can put the ducks in front of you, in the LZ in front of you, and that's what I do. I've done it so much. I've practiced so much over the years. You know, when I put the ducks in the LZ in front of you, then I feel like I've done my job. Right, and the rest is up to the person that's holding the gun, right? I comment on that. You know, shooting capabilities is probably behind concealment. Shooting capabilities is the second most important factor in successful duck hunting. Okay. If you don't, if you don't hit the duck, you're not going to get the duck. Uh, now, I I have learned that I shoot a pretty a pretty quick backup shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I like to see ducks go down, and I'm not the best shot, but I have shot a few. Uh, I have uh, a lot of customers that have had successful hunts uh, that their shooting capabilities were were good, but they often go home saying, "Well, we would have had more ducks if I could have if I could have hit them." That's just part of it. Sure. And and going with a a experienced guide like yourself that's been guiding hunts since 1982 on ducks is the best way to have the best percentage, I think, of success rate you know, compared to kind of going out there and figuring it out, especially if it's your first time doing it. You know, that's one reason why I wanted to have you on the show. I've never been before, and I really, you know, rely on guys like you for advice because there's a lot of duck hunters I know that's all they hunt is ducks, and they're hardcore about it. You know, they're serious. I hunted on a guy's property one time that was a duck hunter. He said, I only shoot deer for the meat. Duck hunting is where it's all at. You know, and um, the, it is just like a like a cult following kind of is the best way I look at it, you know. I get a lot of new new duck hunters the last few years, and uh, I try to, you know, be a teacher. Um, I tell them, you know, I, I don't always know what their experience are. Maybe the first time I've met them, I try to get a feel for it real quick. I ask them one of the questions I always ask is just a general conversation. You know, I ask people, well, you've been doing much duck hunting this year? Yes. And uh, if they tell me, no, I haven't had a chance to go, or, man, we hunt every weekend, well, it kind of gives me a feel of for the – uh, experience uh, level of the person I'm taking. Sure. And I tell people, I said, you know, hey, you know, I, I can be a quiet guy out here hunting, but just ask me questions, anything you want to ask. And, you know, one thing about duck hunting, you can sit there and talk. Right. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I have a lot to offer as far as my experience in, in, uh, in decoying ducks and, and talking about spreads and this sure. and that. Uh I have a lot, a lot of customers ask me a lot of questions out there, and I hope they learn from it. Right. You know, that's always the goal. And, and hiring an experienced guide is somebody, you know, and I've talked about this on the um, podcast that I did that you like so much that I did on top 10 things for looking for hiring an outfitter and guide based yeah. on the article that I wrote. You know, you want yeah. to find somebody that's got a good idea of experience and that really, you know, knows their stuff and knows how to put you on the action, you know, in a way that other guides that are just starting out are just kind of basically trying to get their feet wet. You know, you want to go with somebody that's got, you know, 30 plus years of experience like you do, you know, yeah. um, that's very important, yeah, that, I think. That, absolutely. Yeah, I encourage all your listeners to, to take time to uh, read that article. Or that, Thank that, you. That, that you it's one of the best i've ever seen it, oh, it is the best I've ever seen. <laughs> i appreciate that very much about about hiring a guide and expectations uh about about your guide it's 
and it's not talked about enough really it needs to be talked about more right um no i agree uh, that's why i made a whole show dedicated to that and that's why i did a, that article to begin with it's a long article but it's uh yeah i was commissioned to write that article by a online retailer that was just asking me hey this would be something for our shoppers to learn you know what what do you look for and i wrote it over a year ago and i was just kind of like well it took me a while to, to remember all 10 things you know or just kind of come up with all 10 the most important 10 things to look for yeah. you know but i definitely think that i'm just glad that that responded well with you mr dave so yeah yes yeah, oh, sir funny. i was proud to be a part of it i will say this is on the duck hunting uh and i do have people hire me uh, uh quite a bit that just want to learn the area right and i've had people tell me you know you hire me a couple times or hire a guide uh just uh, if you're new to duck hunting hire a guide and it will uh be so so good for you as as a new duck hunter to learn you you'll be far ahead of the process of learning by going with a professional right i agree I think that's very important with any outdoor pursuit is to hire a guide in that area that you want to hunt or fish in and, um, and, and go from there because it, there's so many variables that, that go into a successful hunt like that, especially decoy spreads and calling and concealment and all the things that you mentioned that are important. You know, that's why I wanted to start out with duck hunting. Cause that's what's going on. That's like the hottest thing going on right now with, uh, with waterfowl hunters, you know, is in Texas, uh, is duck hunting and, um, then after that comes what the snow goose is that right? After this duck uh, season, well, snow goose season runs uh, with the duck season. I see. Okay, I'm sorry. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, you know I think when we've talked, uh, I don't I don't guide as many snow goose hunts until later in the season. Right. Um, uh, but uh, there's there's been lots of birds. Uh, coming down now I, i've been hearing them every night come over i, I heard some this morning mm-hmm. uh i've got some uh, lease properties that I, I guide snow goose hunts on uh in fact uh one of my uh property owners just called me last week and told me that they there there was lots of snow goose that's in the uh, eagle lake area that that they got lots of birds now so uh and you know i i try to over the years uh when the duck season uh, closes, uh-huh. we have the the uh, conservation snow goose season. So that really uh, gives me a way to, to work or to make a living uh, from the time duck season closes till, the, till it warms up a little bit and the fishing gets and, good. Yeah, the fishing gets so, hot again, right. So, yeah, I, I, guide, I guide waterfowl hunts uh, for, for ducks. Earlier in the season, mostly, and then goose hunts late in the season, and then I, I start my, my fishing trips usually in February. Do you still have some availability for duck hunts the rest of this year? Are you pretty booked up right now? Uh, you know, the the days around the holidays, you know, are filling up pretty quick sure. right now. Uh, you know, when it gets – when I have a lot of availabilities, there's when there's some good duck hunting. It's like the last week of duck season. Right. Uh, it's like after the holidays, after uh, December 31st, and the holidays, it's like just everybody, almost the general public, for whatever reason, does not understand that. They sure. forget about duck hunting. They're, They're like, okay, well, the year's over. The year's over. And there's still, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's still duck season left. Sure. And really, 
that can be when when the mallards are really you know down here as late in the season. Right. In fact, that's that's why Texas Parks and Wildlife a few years ago they extended the season later into the year just so we could have more mallards down here. Right. And uh, I get you know I have a whole week there at the end of the season that's that that that's I don't get that many bookings. Uh, I don't people just stop calling about fishing. You know right. they get fishing fever, and I don't blame them. It's a great uh, time to go duck hunting, though. I mean, that's that's really good to know. The duck hunting up here on the Trinity, again, you know, the wood ducks are the big claim to fame here. We shoot we shoot all kind of puddle ducks and divers. Uh, I want to add this year the the acorn crop is just incredible. And the reason I mention acorns is because uh, your wood ducks, mallards, and gadwalls they they all love acorns. Right. And a lot of this backwater uh, timber sloughs and oxbows. Uh, you know, I kind of kid about it, but I, I think the, the wood ducks actually sit there and wait for an acorn to fall. And, <laughs> you know, they, they get where you got these huge mass oak trees that lean over right. these, uh, sloughs and creeks and oxbows and the wind blows, the acorns fall. And that's where your wood ducks are. Wow. That's cool. That's where to find them. That's a, that's a hot spot for duck hunting. That's great. Uh, anything else on duck hunting before we shift gears on um, on to fishing? If, if if you're new to duck hunting up here, I'd encourage you to to call a professional down and get a feel for it. Be careful where you go because uh, there are issues with with getting uh, onto private property and you can get in trouble. So be sure. careful where you go. Sure. So you've been a fishing guide along with being a duck hunting guide since 1982. Is that correct? Or you did you start fishing after uh, you started duck hunting? You know, originally when I started guiding, it was kind of by accident. I, I just went so much. Um, you know, I just kind of worked my way into guiding duck hunts. And I probably guided duck hunts for uh, six or seven years, really, Dustin, before I started thinking about, hey, you know, this is a job, and uh, I could start guiding fishing trips sure, and uh, kind of make it, you know, uh, a year-round business. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I started with duck hunting first and then started guiding fishing uh, a few years down the road. And, uh, of course, the white bass fishing up here on the northern end of the lake is what I first started guiding for is, is white bass. Especially in the spring, is that right? In the spring, uh, the Riverside area, Harmon Creek, is well known. In fact, uh, Harmon Creek here, the marina here uh, logo, is the best kept secret in the world. <laughs> it, yeah, it is without question one of the premier, if not one of the best white bass fishing uh, creeks in the world. Wow! Uh, it, it, I, I can say that. Without hesitation, uh, Harmon Creek, uh, Little Caney that comes off of Harmon right here, and then there's 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 numerous major feeder creeks up here that the white bass will spawn in what they call a run, and uh, it, it's it, it can be a little bit volatile in the spring. It, you know, its timing is critical. Right. No, I understand uh, that completely. But I, I've I've seen so many white bass in in a small spot in the creek that. The old saying, you could walk on them. I've seen it <laughs> lots and lots of times that you could literally walk on the fish. The fish are so thick, you could walk on them. That's crazy. And, <laughs> and I, I've seen at times where where you, you cast a, a a bait in, in there and, and you, you foul hook more fish than, than actually bite the hook. Oh, goodness. I, I, 
Yeah, because there's so many fish in there, they're just running into each other. Wow, that's amazing. So you definitely are available in the spring for um, for white bass. What other species do you target aside from that? Um, I do I do everything. Uh, you know, catfishing. Uh, I do quite a few catfish trips every year. Livingston is just a phenomenal catfishing lake. Uh, the premier time for me for catfishing for guiding. My favorite time is in April okay. when the catfish spawn and they get up on the sandbars. They get up on the bulkheads. And uh, it, it can be a lot, a lot of fun. It's real entertaining to, to guide catfishing trips off the bulkheads or the sandbars. Uh, it, it, if I had to pick one fish to fish for in freshwater, uh, it, it would be largemouth. Okay. Um, largemouth bass fishing, I, I do. I guide a lot of largemouth uh, trips up here. I uh, run a 20-foot Ranger bass-style boat. I uh, used to fish a lot of bass tournaments. I don't fish as much now. Uh, in the tournament uh, uh, fishing, right? But largemouth largemouth bass fishing is uh, if I had to pick one type of fishing, and I'll throw in uh, bay fishing, speckled trout, redfish. I've caught thousands of them, but largemouth bass fishing is my favorite. It's just it's, it's, it's like catching a baby tarpon uh, <laughs> when you get bit. I mean, they're they're just such a game fish. It's, it's incredible to catch largemouth. You don't get bit, you get slammed. That's the way I look at bass fishing, you know. <laughs> when they, but I, yeah. I tell customers all the time they're fishing some soft plastic. I tell them all the time. I said, you just keep doing what you're doing. You're gonna get your arm broke. Yeah, that's right. They're gonna try to pull that reel right out of your rod and reel out right out of your hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, I've I've got a friend on Lake Belton that fishes Lake Belton and Lake Georgetown a lot, and he's he's strictly bass fishing and catch and release, and he. Uh, He'll throw a uh, a worm or something like that, or he'll throw a um, uh, what do you call it a swim jig out there. And he says for smallmouth, when he finds a smallmouth, they darn near grab the rod out of his hand. They fight so hard, oh, yeah. you know. And you know, we, I know you've experienced that too. We catch a few uh, smallmouths on Livingston, but not not very many. Uh, mostly mostly largemouth. Uh, but. Uh, just to touch on some things on your white bass fishing, I think will be helpful. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, <clears throat> on the run, everybody talks about the run, the run, the run, the run. Well, there is some truth to the to the white bass run, and it's the time to be there. And it can it can really get heated up anywhere from mid January or early January through March. So that's a lot of time in there. But some things you got to look for because Texas weather is so volatile. Oh, yes, it um, is. In January, February, it can be, you know, freezing cold. Um, in the white bass fishing, not not that good. A few key things you need to look for in January and February. And if I had to pick one time for the white bass run, I would pick the first week in March. Around March the 10th, 12th, 15th. Sure. Uh, uh, and it has more to do with water temperature than a lot of things. This is what I see a lot, and this is what I tell people, is that in in February, January, February, after Christmas, after New Year's, everybody gets fishing fever. I do too. I want to go fishing. Well, the sun pops out in January. You get a warming trend, and there'll be so many boats at the ramps up here, you can't even launch another boat. I'm just <laughs> just packed. thick with fishermen, and, huh? Wow. And and everybody's coming in going, where's the whites? Are they running? They're not running yet. They already ran. 
they're just not biting. Where's the whites? Where's the whites? One of the number one key ingredients to look for is you need a warming trend. Give the, ch- the water a chance to warm up and look for water readings over 60 degrees. When you start getting over the 60 degree uh, readings, then you really start getting into some water temperature that's going to ha- really, really have a strong run. And a southeast wind, typical wind, uh, a falling barometric pressure uh, before front. If you get two or three days in January where you get the waters warming, uh, you get a falling barometric pressure, a southeast wind, uh, you need to try it. You need to get out there on the water. One thing that one thing that really triggers the white bass run is moving water. Okay. The, the fish are like salmon. Remember, we all learned in school about how the salmon go upstream to spawn. Yes. White bass. White bass are the same way. They they feel the moving water and it's like a vacuum cleaner. It just sucks the fish upstream. Huh. And they'll stage in the uh, deeper water in the mouths of the creeks. For instance, Harmon Creek, they'll stage up there in the area we call the rock crusher and the bluffs up there. You can graph it. You can go through there, and you just see thousands of fish on your graph. They're just not biting. You can troll. You can jig. You can slab. You can you can dance a jig, but they're just not going to bite. And when you get a local rain uh, that gets the creeks moving, that gets the water moving, I mean, it can be like a flash flood. You can get a four-inch rain, a two-inch rain. But that moving water is what's going to trigger these fish to go upstream. And what you need to do is don't wait too long. I've written a lot of articles about this. Don't wait too long in January or February after a rain. Uh, everybody's going to say, well, they, you know, they, they look at the water. They come down here. They, they go to the marinas, and they look at the water. And, well, the water's all it's like chocolate milk because Livingston's it's a it's a soft bottom mostly, and it'll it'll turn over and it'll, it'll look like chocolate milk. Well, launch in that chocolate milk and go up Harmon Creek, go up White Rock Creek, and go as far as you can up the creek um, within 48 hours of a two-inch local rain. They go up the creek till you start finding the water that's clearing, and when you start seeing that tea-colored water, start fishing. Okay. And fish your way, fish your way downstream on the on the sandbars and the deep sides of the sandbars until you find fish. And a lot of people fish too fast; they throw too big of a bait. You okay. need to fish, fish, fish slow in January, February, and fish a small bait. And I've caught lots and lots of fish off of rattle traps, blue chrome rattle traps. I I've love blue chrome rattle traps. That's one of my go-to baits. Fish. Yeah. It's it's not my favorite bait in the early spring. It fishes too fast, and, and you know if I use one, I'd use a smaller one, like the mini traps, right. the, the 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 quarter ounce or the the eighth ounce. Uh, but I use a uh, a made by Bear Paw. It's a, a Bear Paw uh, paddle tail jig, mm-hmm. and uh, Berkeley. Uh, makes the, the jig called a power grub. They're only like an inch or inch and a half, two inches. I even cut them down. The, the bear paws jig, I, I cut it down. The Berkeley power grub, uh, fish it on a one eighth ounce jig head on light line and cast it out on the sandbars and, and just crawl it down. Don't reel it. Just crawl it almost like fishing soft plastic sure. for black bass. 
Sure. When the water temperature is under, under 60 degrees, you need to fish really slow and fish smaller baits. That's good to know. That's really good to know. So it's when things heat up like in March and April and, and further into the spring and summer where you're throwing slabs, jigging slabs, right? Well, I usually don't start fishing the main lake or, or, or structure fishing. Um, I have done it, you know, a lot in April. Okay. Uh, I'm just curious. But, but I, I'll, I'll stay in the creeks uh, mostly uh, through the whole month of March. It depends on the conditions on into April. Um, when I start fishing the main lake is the fish kind of get into a, to a, a post spawn kind of funk and it, it gets a little hard. You know, everybody wants to fish in April and I do too, but, but a lot of times the first week in April is I, I can look at my books. I, I just know a lot of times the first week in April, uh, the first two weeks in April is can can be a struggle for me to catch white bass really okay uh, i mean we may go we may go from catching uh you know limits uh in mid-march to to struggling in april um and around mid-march that time of area in there is when the, the females are really Typically, really, really full of eggs. When drop their eggs, that's when you can catch your trophy fish, lots of big fish, sure. in in uh, early mid mid March, and uh, that that's when I would be. If I had to pick one day, people ask me one one weekend, get one weekend a year to come fish for white bass on Livingston. I would say go to Harmon Creek or Beat Eyes Creek or White Rock Creek uh, the first uh, ten days in March, and. Uh, once they drop their eggs, they get a little, little harder, harder to catch. And let me, that's, let me throw this in about the spawn and the run. Sure. These fish, these fish don't all spawn on one day. Okay. Uh, and you know, I've read articles, I've read forums and this and that, and you know, really no disrespect, but these fish don't spawn, uh, at two 30 in the morning on March the 1st <laughs> with a, a full moon when the stars are lined up. Right. It's right. <laughs> not an exact uh, science to it. I catch, I catch spawning fish in December, catch fish full of eggs. I mean, I, I you catch white bass, crappie, black bass, uh, anywhere from, uh, depending on the weather, uh, mid late December, uh, all the way through February, uh, you know, and I tell people, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, they, they think I'm maybe not screwed together right because I tell them, man, I'm catching fish full of eggs, uh, in, in January, last week in December. And, uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is. It doesn't seem uh, practical. It doesn't seem, you know, that it should be that way, but it's true. They, they don't, they don't all spawn on the same day. Right. They're not on the same calendar, uh. Uh, but I, I just want to throw that in because because I get asked that question a lot. When's what day are they spawn? When do they spawn? And you know sometimes I, I I tell people answers just so I try not to sound dumb, right? Because because they want to hear a, a good you know intelligent answer, so I try to tell a good intelligent answer. But that's something that 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 I feel that. People really need to understand. All these fish are not going to spawn at the, on the same day. And, and they talk about, well, they're moving up the creeks. They're moving back to the main lake. And the reason I, I kind of got started on this because you asked me about fishing 
the main lake in April or May, and that that's a big uh, a, a big thing that's talked about a whole lot is, is when the fish are up the creeks, when they're going back to the main lake. And you know, really, Livingston's white bass fishing is absolutely incredible. I mean, oh, yeah. I've had times where I, I catch white bass in the creeks. And the next day, I get a guide trip out of Mid Lake area or something, and I'm just trying to to make it easy for customers. So I fish the Mid Lake area and catch fish. Huh. Uh, you know, I know last year I started fishing. Uh, you know, I fished a lot around Mid Lake, the old 190 road bed. Uh, and you know, I started fishing last year, first week of May, last week of April, and I mean, those fish were stacked on those humps. Wow. And uh, you know, and and it's just, it's a lot of fun. Oh, it Uh, is. You were telling me a couple of months ago when you were just, as you like to say, torturing the white bass, you know, just catching them just one after the other, just, you know, really putting customers on some great fish. What month was that? Was that early this fall? What happened, yeah, what happened is last year, you know, the lake flooded so much, the water stayed up so high. Right. And the fishing was really, really uh, different. And... I, I typically catch a lot of fish. I fish the west side of the lake a lot, and I, I typically catch a lot of fish over there in uh, May and June. And a lot of times, I'll, I'll quit fishing that area around the July Fourth weekend. It just gets too hot, and the, the fish move. What happened this year is all that whole area because the river channel runs kind of down the west side of the lake right there, and that west side of the lake stayed muddy in. in uh, off color because Livingston is again is really volatile and it muddies up real easy. And so the the east side of the lake in the Kickapoo Creek area, Pinwall Bay area will stay clear a lot of times. So I was fishing more over there. But one day I had a guy trip over there and this was in August when I, I never fished the west side of the lake in, in August. Right. And I had a trip over there in Pinwall and you know we struggled a little bit. It wasn't as good as what I wanted to do and so I said, look, I got to go to work. Uh, I think I had a half a day trip and, and customers went in and I said, look, I got to go find some fish. I had a trip the next day. And so I just drove all the way across the lake over there where I normally fish in May and June. And the water was had cleared out. It had been muddy all year. The water had just started turning green over there. And there was shad everywhere on the grass. There was fish everywhere on the grass. And I fished there the entire month of August and caught limits of fish every every day. Wow. Uh, catching the fish under the birds, catching them on jigging slabs. Uh, typically, I fish a, a jigging slab uh, off structure anywhere from 10 to uh, 15 foot. When the, the white bass uh, push shad up on those humps, and, and you get right on top of them with a jigging slab, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. Catch a lot of fish. And my slowest trips in August, fish that same area the entire month of August, my slowest trips, I would have uh, 50 fish or 75 <laughs> fish. Typically, I had three people, and uh, we, we'd be done by 9.30 in the morning. Golly, and start about when? Seven or so? Uh, yeah, you don't, have to, you don't have to be there to crack a dawn. Actually, right. they, they fight a little bit better when the sun gets up. And you're so, limited you know, out. Oh my God! Two hours fishing, two two hours, and and over the years I've done that lots and lots and oh, lots. Oh sure, like, I'm sure you have. Uh, but that was that's what I was telling you when we visited uh, about a month ago that that it was a little bit different, and 
no nobody was really fishing that area. Yeah. Uh, and they just and they started schooling birds and shad and the whole nine yards. We catch them slabbing, and then a school would push through with us, catching two at a time. Uh, hooks flying, fish flying. Uh, yeah, it gets pretty crazy. That's that's nuts, yeah. man. That sounds like a blast. Yeah, I I would I would uh typically I have uh uh you know two customers sometimes three or four and uh we would come in and uh I have a, a system and I, I generally keep a gentleman that works for me uh at the ramp and he'll set up a fish cleaning system a table a generator. And uh, I clean the fish and have them bagged and tagged and everybody on the way home uh, before 11 o'clock. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How cool. You got enough fish for a fish fry then, too. So Yeah, you know, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in my career, and I try to learn by my mistakes. Sure. Well, there's a guy, there's a guy hired me uh, several years ago out of uh, Waterwood, and they had rented a house there, and they had his whole family there for a week. And he said, Dave, he said, uh, I want you to take my different family members. I'm going to hire you for three straight days. And he said, on the fourth day, we're going to have a family fish fry. And I said, yeah, I, I got the picture. I, I'm your guy. I can help you with it. And uh, so he had just, uh, I just asked him for a, a deposit for, for the one day up front. And uh, he was going to pay for three days. Well, the first day I, I took uh, some of his family members out, there was uh four of them in the boat and uh we were back at waterwood at their house uh by 11 o'clock and we had uh four limits of white bass oh we my had goodness we had a hundred fish and plus we had a, we had two or three stripers so we had over a hundred fish and i cleaned the fish for them and bagged them and tagged them and i i said well just uh have your people meet me at the same place in the morning he said you know dave he said uh uh that's more fish than we ever need for our fish fry. <laughs> he, he said, uh, you know, I really don't don't see any reason to use you for the next couple of days. And, uh, I mean, I just got tickled at that because, they, you know, that was, <laughs> sure. I, I kind of, I fish my, I fish my way out of work is what I do. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but it, I was cool with story. it. That's yeah, awesome. I was cool with it. They had their family fish fry, but, uh, you know, I, I, I caught so many fish, I was I was out of a job. <laughs> That's a great story. That's wonderful. Wow. Um, I also wanted to touch on before we run out of time on this show about uh, Lake Raven and your your black bass or largemouth bass uh, trips as well, just so we can kind of cover that. Yeah, I, I was. Thanks, Dustin, because I love fishing Lake Raven. Uh, you know, I fished it back when I was going to Sam Houston here back in the seventies, it's just an incredible bass fishery. And it's, it's in the top 10. Uh, I don't remember the exact specifics right now, but it, it, it is, uh, managed by Texas parks and wildlife. It's, uh, your, your Florida strain bass in it. Uh, it's, it's in share lunker program. And, uh, it's, it's a, a clear water lake. And uh, I just love uh, fishing for, for largemouth there. I do a few guide trips there every year. Uh, you know, actually back in, in the 80s, I, I guided there quite a bit for black bass. And it, it's, it's kind of kind of just really hadn't been the talk as much. Uh, but it's real common to go in there, especially in the spring and the spawn. You can sight cast uh, largemouth. Right. And, and 
I did a couple trips there this year, and fortunately, every time I went, uh, there is there is a couple pictures on my website. People yes. holding six, seven pound bass that, that came out that. of Raven. That's yeah. what I was going to mention because you, you've pulled some incredible, or your clients have pulled some incredible fish out of that lake, and you can see those on your Lake Livingston uh, website. I'll put that in the, the show notes and the, the Lake Raven website I built for you. The sad, the sad thing to me about Raven uh, this year is the the state, you know, uh, the, the, the water lilies and hyacinth was just getting out of hand. And, you know, that, that really made for some – it had a problem with hydrilla too, sure. and and it made for some great bass fishing. But it, eventually, it was just choking the lake off. And the state went in there and uh, with a management program, uh, you know, did away with a lot of the the vegetation, the water hyacinths, and the hydrilla, and it it really really made bass fishing this year a, a little harder there. I mean, there's they, less cover, they, right? Is that why there's less? Yeah, cover? When they, okay. when they, I mean, you could go almost. In that lake and throw buzz baits in the morning. Oh man, I fished the uh, Charlie's uh, worms. Uh-huh. Uh, they they make a, a topwater frog, and uh, oh, we had so much fun. We had days uh, two years ago in the spring. I mean, it was real common to get uh, fifteen to to twenty five uh, blow ups a morning <laughs> on on that on that Charlie's frog in in. You know, I mentioned black bass fishing is my favorite of all times. I mean, it's right. it's heart heart stopping type fishing. Oh yeah, and, especially uh, when a big old bass hits that top water lure like that frog. Oh, oh, just oh, it, it just makes exciting. your blood it's just. Really oh. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Livingston is the most underrated black bass fishing lake in the state of Texas. Uh, I mean, the black bass fishing on Livingston is good. Just all you got to do is just follow some of the tournament circuits that come here. Sure. I mean, it it, it takes it takes five fish fifteen pounds to win a tournament on Livingston quite often. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, uh, one of the last tournament circuits I fished, I man, my partner and I, uh, a team tournament, we weighed in twenty one pounds in, in uh, March and got third place. Oh goodness! And, uh, yeah, uh, but but I, I love the black bass fishing. And I'm hoping that uh, some of the vegetation will come back on Raven. Uh-huh. I absolutely love fishing that lake. Sure. No, that's great. And it's great that you got trips there. I built you a website for just Lake Raven fishing that people can check out. And I will, for all of our listeners, I will put all the notes to all of Mr. Dave Cox's websites in the show notes so you can check them out, uh, visit them, and uh, and give him a call. So that's great. Well, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate you so much, Dusty. You're, you're an awesome gentleman and a great outdoorsman. And uh, <laughs> I thank you for, for taking the time to call me and get, get involved in, in uh, your program. No, I appreciate it. How do people get a hold of you, Mr. Dave? Uh, of course, my website. I got a lot of things going on. Give me a call anytime at 936-291-9602. I don't answer my phone a lot in the mornings because I'm in the field with customers. Right. Uh, but I, I leave a message. I'll call you back. I love to talk to anybody about hunting and fishing up here anytime. Uh, you know, Dustin, actually, you saved my website. It's a long story. <laughs> but I, I have a, I have a extensive website. I've been told that it's more than necessary. I think too much uh, uh, sometimes. But I have an extensive website. I get a lot of compliments over it. And I... I had built up this website over the years, and I kind of was struggling with it. And uh, I've been told it's old technology, but uh, 
Dustin, you, you came in and, and you, you fixed my website all up for me and updated it. It's incredible. I love for anybody to go to uh, com and uh, check out my website. I keep a, a pretty current fish report. I think I'm, I'm doing it uh, bi-weekly uh, or maybe monthly now. Monthly, I think, yeah. Monthly, monthly fishing report now. That's on. It's a current fishing report on on my uh, website. And uh, you know, I love photos of customers. Go to my recent photos page, and and, and every week, mostly Dustin. Uh, you know, I'm, you, you, he puts new pictures on there for me. And uh, to me, that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, if you look at the top of my website, I got something on there that that is kind of my saying. It's it's come as a client. Leave as a friend. I love that. And, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I believe that. I, I'm a people person. Uh, I take every person uh, individually, and I care about people, and I want you to have a successful trip and a good time uh, hunting or fishing with me. And, that's uh, that's but, great. Yeah, come as a client. Leave as a friend. <laughs> I think that's a great slogan. And one of the other things that I wanted to mention, too, is in your fishing reports, you also cover duck hunting within season, typically, of how your duck hunts are going, what areas, that kind of stuff, uh, what's, what's what you're shooting most of. And I think that's very valuable for duck hunters, not just fishermen, to read your reports. Right, right. I, I usually touch on ducks, uh, you know, during duck season. Uh, you know, I put on there what we're seeing or how, what we did. And you, and you can look at my recent photos, and you'll see the pictures coming in. Right. Uh, people with fish or people with ducks. I think it's real important. If you're interested in booking a trip with an outfitter, you know, you want to see pictures that are current. Sure. Um, and you can go to each one of my splash pages and see, like, my white bass page, and there's there's gobs and gobs of, uh, of pictures on there from years past. Uh, but if you go to the recent photos, you get an idea of what's happening up to date and i try and, to keep uh, that updated you know, but the other thing is that uh, i don't want to cut you off mr dave i was just saying that you can uh, um it's better to view that on a pc or a mac because cell phones these days haven't caught up with flash technology which is what that slideshow is built in so there's some static photos you can see on your phone but for for the slideshow you want to view it on your home pc or your your desktop pc or your mac yes so. sir Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate all you do, Dustin. Uh, thank you so much, and thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you, sir. Well, that was a fun interview, like most of the interviews in the show are. They're always life-giving and not life-draining topics that we talk about on this show, just to keep everything lively. And duck hunting is really all the rage right now, with it being duck season, and then fishing is going to pick up here in the next month or so. Um the next couple of months at least with february being right around the corner and then march being a big um you know uh, spawning season for a lot of fish so uh great guy great guy to give a call to if you want to have a east texas fishing adventure or hunting adventure for sure and um i definitely highly recommend dave cox in fact he made the uh podcast that i did the solo podcast that i did uh several shows ago about uh, top 10 things to look for when hiring your next guide or outfitter and that was a very popular show and um he definitely is one of the folks that i recommend for your outfitter or guide um on your next trip so anyway that's some good times there so uh if you have not had a chance to do so please subscribe to the show that's the way you can get the best of the outdoors uh every two weeks 
as we put out new shows you don't have to wait for my facebook post or my twitter you know tweet or uh any other way that i that i kind of blast out this show when they release on wednesday nights before the thursday release so um you know there's definitely a lot of ways you can engage with us uh check out the texas fishing game webpage. we have all of our podcasts that we've done as part of the texas outdoor nation at fishgame.com under the podcast heading and there'll be a little page if you scroll down there'll be a whole little section for podcasts that you can check out and then also the best of the outdoors.podbean.com is our podcast website that's hosted by Podbean. That has every part of the show that we've ever done, every podcast we've ever done, beginning with the first one on how to start an outdoor TV show. <laughs> so uh, we've come a long way since that first podcast, being all a mobile podcast, now with the official studio and everything. So, uh, but I'm really excited that you took the opportunity to join us and, and are checking out the show and I'm just fired up that this thing keeps on growing the way that it is and um, keeps on doing great things. So definitely check out the show notes for Mr. Dave Cox's information and then um, also um, be sure to subscribe to the magazine if you've not subscribed to the Texas Fishing Game before. Um, lots of good content every month. January issue just arrived to my porch and that's getting ready to get hit mailboxes later this month. Um, and uh, we're really excited about um, about the future of the magazine. We've, I just spoke with our digital publisher, Elliot Donnelly, here in the last couple of days, and he is doing some serious optimization to fishgame.com, which is our official Texas fishing game website, which has a lot of national news and local state news and those kind of things. So be sure to check out fishgame.com uh, every day if you want to. We've always got new stuff going up on there. I write a lot of articles that I'm featured in up there. I just finished one on high fence hunting that got a lot of uh, views and was kind of a controversial topic to, to tackle. Um, I'm kind of on the force uh, side for high fence hunting, so you can kind of read up on, on that kind of stuff. And just thanks so much for tuning in and listening. It means the world to me that we're connected and, um, and that I'm able to bring these shows to you every couple of weeks. And uh, thank you so much again for reading, watching, listening, for everything. And have an awesome day in the outdoors.